Hello, everyone. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca S. as in fellowship, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Tuesday, July 13th, 2021, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in Chapter 5, How It Works, on page 70. We will be reading and commenting on the second paragraph only on page 70, which begins with, to sum up about sex, and ends with, to yield would mean heartache. Today's readers are Diane B., Dara L., Nancy C., and Crystal P. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Monday, July 12, 2021, are 17,334 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. That's 17334 and 17,335 for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. That's 17335. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Diane B. to read the OA 12 Steps. Good morning. Thank you, Rebecca. This is Diane B. in New York, gratefully recovered. The 12 Steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, excuse me, six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, 
Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Pass. Thank you, Diane D. I will now ask Dara L. to read the OA 12 tradition. Great. Thank you so much. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I realize I did not uh, introduce myself at the beginning, so I'm Dara L., I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Philadelphia, and thank you for your service. Thank you, Dara L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, 
We resume our study of the big book and we will be reading and commenting on the second paragraph only on page 70, which begins with to sum up about sex and ends with to yield would mean heartache. I will now ask Nancy C to go ahead and read that for us. Thanks, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. Nancy C, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater in Ann Arbor, Michigan. To sum up about sex, we can earnestly pray for the right ideal for guidance in each questionable situation for sanity and the strength to do the right thing. If sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves harder into helping others. We think of their needs and work for them. This takes us out of ourselves. <clears throat> it acquires the imperious urge when to yield would mean harness. You know, when I started listening to the vision meetings just about a year ago, um, I couldn't believe that people could spend an hour talking about one paragraph and what can you get out of one paragraph. And sitting here today, you can get a lot out of this paragraph. Um, we've been talking about looking at ourselves and looking at our relationships. And I think that the, for me, the section on sex really deals more with relationships because everything that's talked about here talks about ideals and the type of ideal relationship God wants us to have with other people. And I need to earnestly pray every day for the right ideal in every relationship I have, not just sexual ones, but any relationship I have. And my relationships are always messed up because I get very self-centered and very full of fear, and so my old patterns want to hold up. So I need to go to God a lot and pray for the right ideal and wait for the answers to come from him. And if I put him in charge, I turn my life around and my relationships are all well. And sometimes I can't do that. It says when it's troublesome, you know, throw yourself into another person. And that's what Bill did. Bill taught us in this program that we need to go out of ourselves and get out of ourselves. And then the answers come to us. And by starting to focus on somebody else's needs, all of a sudden mine don't look so big and scary. Um, they look manageable, and God has given me the answers for um, whatever has been bothering me, and those are part of my right ideals. Um, the one sentence that really means a lot to me today is the last um, sentence where um, it quiets the imperious urge when to yield would mean heartache. And that's, that's letting myself, my self-centeredness, my ego, my pride take over what God has asked me to become, um, what God has changed me to become as a more um, uh, selfless rather than more selfish person that if I give in to those urges, um, I end up being, I could end up being back to where I was and taking my life back, taking my will back, assuming authority, which what is what imperious means. And to give in to that is to give up everything that God has given me in this program. By working this program, my life is so much better. And I owe it all to everyone who's on this line today, for the people I've met, the people I haven't met yet. Um, my life is magically different 
and it's all God-centered and not Nancy-centered. And when it does get Nancy-centered, I have people who love me, who will see me for who I am and bring me back along the right path. This is a way of living I wouldn't change for anything. And if you're new on the line today and you're trying to grab onto anything, announce yourself as new, get a hold of a step study guide, get a sponsor and work through this program, work through this book. Um, Your life will change forever and you'll never want to look back. And I can't wait to hear the other shares on this paragraph. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you, Nancy C. Now, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you haven't shared on a vision for you on Friday or Monday and would like to share on the second paragraph only on page 70, to sum up about sex through the yield would mean heartache, please press star one to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Katie Lee from Boston. Shanna C. Nancy P. Shanna C. Melissa C. Christina J. Jennifer C. Wait one sec, Melissa C. Jennifer, there was somebody before Jennifer though. Who was that, I think, or after? I don't remember. Christina J. Christina J. Um, I heard, I think, a man's voice very early on, but didn't catch Rick, the name. Rick J. Was it Rick J.? Okay. And somebody around Jennifer, between Melissa and Jennifer, do you remember if you said your name? Or maybe it was Christina. I don't know. Right after Jennifer. Okay. If you didn't... If you don't hear your name, but you gave it, let me know. I heard, I wrote down Katie G, Shanna C, Nancy P, Melissa P, Jennifer, Christina J, and Rick J. I got everybody. Okay. That's our lineup for the beginning, and then we'll get more names when Rick finishes. Katie G, followed by Shanna C. Good morning, Rebecca. Excuse me. Sorry about that. No, go ahead. Good morning. Thanks for taking the meeting. Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Boston. You know, the sex conduct is one of the places that uh, the book promises me I'm going to go back to the food if I'm not sorry and my conduct continues. And if for some reason you think that that means you're not on step one, that's fine. That's between you and God. My experience is when I went back to the food each and every time, I had a step one issue right because it was affecting all aspects of my identity and um and sex is pretty serious it's very very serious i uh came into the rooms um with no respect for myself um somebody said to me or uh i didn't think anyone could ever love me and and they were right because i didn't have a relationship with myself and i learned how to date in this program i learned how to have a relationship with myself and i did um you know my sex conduct inventory and it has turned into a relationship inventory and i do have standards for myself like as a sponsor am i entirely absent 100 percent, 100 percent of the time thanks be to god am i working the steps absolutely you know i need to have these ideals these measures 
measures of, of, of things, and this isn't about my abstinence. I don't have a food ideal. Um, I'm either abstinent or not. The doctor's opinion says the only relief we have to suggest is entirely is entire abstinence. And when I was dating um, and learning who I was and, and who I was not, um, I used these questions, I used the ideals, and I continue to today um, because of this Vision for You meeting and, and my teachers, all of you on this line, I use these prayers every day. I earnestly pray for the right ideal as Evan's wife. Oh my God, I don't know how to be someone's wife. I know how to be, I know how to take you hostage, guidance in these questionable situations. Guidance, yeah, God, like help me get out of the way. And imperious is dominant. It's it's impulsive. It's urgent, you know. And um, to yield into that, to go out, to have an affair, to go against the code of conduct that these twelve steps have shown me, um, will lead to heartache. Because what'll happen is my thinking will get so bad that eating will be a step up from my thinking, and I'm on step zero, whether I want to admit it or not, whether I want to go back to the doctor's opinion or not. You know, and I love this idea. Um, I think that if anything is very troublesome today, thanks be to God, I know I need to throw myself harder into helping others. So the fourth part of um, the step 10 inventory is that um, I, I try and help others. And, you know, for me today as a mom too, it's learning how many others I have in my life, um, not just all of you. Thanks be to God I have all of you. I've had all of you. And God continues to give me all of you. And I'm so graced by your presence. Thank you. And I also have families that I need to help. I, um, I have um, people that, that really need me and rely on me. And I'm learning what that looks like each and every day because of these ideals prayers, because of entire abstinence, and because of a relationship with power, which I only get through these 12 steps with entire abstinence. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Shanna C. followed by Nancy P. Good morning. This is Shanice, a grateful recovered compulsive eater um, from Tennessee. Um, so grateful to be able to wake up this morning and uh, be absent. It's a miracle for my life, and there's not a day that goes by that. And I'm, I'm honestly not just saying that. Like, I can't believe I'm abstinent. Like, it's a miracle for my life. And it's all due to God's grace and these steps and somehow getting to that point of absolute desperation where I was completely out of ideas and willing to go to any length. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. Um, so uh, like on page 70, uh, this talking about, you know, the sex inventory. And uh, it doesn't like have to just be all about sex. Like this is how I show up in relationships. The sex inventory isn't just a, you know, at least it wasn't for me, the, the amount of people I slept with or whatever. It's how I'm showing up and how I'm treating God's children um, and how my behavior has affected those, uh, you know, has affected others. So one good thing about the sex inventory is that I am able to, like I said, see those behaviors and how how my selfishness and and self-centeredness is, is manifesting itself in my relationships and, and, and why everybody seems to be mad at me and why it seemed to me making such a hard going of life. Um, the cool thing is, is having this disease that I thought was like the worst thing that could ever happen has proven to be the very thing that keeps me connected to God. Um, and for that, I can be grateful. Um, I don't have to live in the worry, remorse, and morbid reflection that this disease causes because there is a way out. Um, I can ask God for right motives every day um, 
I can ask God to please show me the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love, especially with my family. Um, staying close to God, um, continuing to live in 10, 11, and 12, watching for that, for that stuff that crops up that will ultimately cause me to, to, to make that supreme sacrifice. Um, you know, and, and then those motives and things, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to. It depends on my motives. If I'm continuing on and I'm not sorry and I'm justifying, um, that's a different story than making a mistake and being like, you know what, I, God, and if I'm not sorry, God, help me be willing. Help me be willing to grow and continue to change. Please help me be willing to have right motives. I can even go to God for that. Um, thank God for that. Um, uh, today, I do have an honest desire to let God take me to better things. Um, and thank God, it says right here, we'll be forgiven. We'll learn our lesson. And when we learn our lesson, when we go through our mistakes, they get converted into our greatest assets because with them we can help avert death and misery for others. What a gift. Um, and that's that's what we get we get to live into today is I get to purposely be helpful. So anyway, I thanks for everyone for being on here and thanks for the opportunity to share. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Thank you for sharing, Shanna C. Nancy P. Followed by, I think it's Melissa C. But if there is Melissa P., you'll let me know. Nancy P., go right ahead. Hi, good morning. Uh, Nancy P. recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts, right next to Boston. Uh, so I think the operative phrase in this paragraph is to sum up, because this is about way more than sex to me. This part of the step is telling me about relationships. Resentments are the byproducts of my relationships, and fear is just a toxic lava that just consumes everything in its path. And this last thing is about the relationships themselves, the point of contact between me and those around me, whether they're of an intimate nature or not. <clears throat> and I have all kinds of relationships. On the previous page, it says, in other words, we treat sex like any other problem. And in the middle of this paragraph, it says, if sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into helping others, which is shorthand for step 12. And I think step 12 is the jewel in the crown of all the steps. Um, it says we earnestly pray. <clears throat> we earnestly pray, but I'm really not very good at praying. I'm not a talented prayer, one who prays. But I'm lucky because I keep really, really close to this thing that takes care of me, my conception of a power greater than myself. You know, this judge who alone judges my sex situation, and in fact, all situations. I'm very agnostic, but the book says that doesn't matter. I'm still safe and protected, just like the book says, because this judge is on my side. It's not a fearsome judge. This judge looks out for me. My mental obsession used to be a horrible ringing in my ears, never quite silent and like on its best days, just a dull vibration. And now that I've recovered through complete surrender, there's like a gentle breeze reminding me that I'm safe. And my feelings don't own me today. I'm free. If I get a twinge of self or have any hint of the imperious urge or any other harmful urge, I know I'm safe, that I won't act on anything that could do harm to others. The problem, like all the other problems, have been removed. It doesn't exist for me. Just like it says in the book, this book is unbelievable. And today I'm so grateful that even though I'm, a ter I'm terrible at praying, the one prayer I do have works really well. I'll tell you what it is. I know you're on the edge of your seat. It goes like this. I don't like this. I don't want things to be this way. And just saying that is an act of surrender for me, admitting that I don't know and that I'm out of my depth 
like all prayers are, I stay in gratitude for the positive things. But for when I'm frightened or, you know, having a, you know, like a twinge, you know, that's what I do. And, you know, the answers come. And the answer that I always, always get is that I know, but I've got your back. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Nancy P. Was there by any chance the Melissa P? I think I mixed Nancy's P up with Melissa C's last initial. Yeah. Okay. Melissa C. Sorry about that. And then Jennifer, whose initial Hi, I did not it's all those. Oh, can you hear me, Rebecca? <laughs> I hear you, Melissa C. Okay. I'm dabbling. Go ahead. Okay, great. I know it's too many Melissa's, right? Um, hi, I'm Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in New York. And I don't believe there's too many Melissa's, by the way. I love all the Melissa's. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I'm going to start my timer. So, you know, when I'm unsure about anything, because um, remember, we're going to treat sex like every other problem. Like, I'm directed, I'm told here really clearly, I'm going to pray, you know, and not the old kind of prayers that I used to do when I was unsure or unhappy, that prayer went like, you know, God, make this go my way. But, you know, instead, no, I'm actually praying for the right ideal, you know, for the right standard of perfection for myself. Like, how am I going to behave in this imperfect world, this imperfect situation? And, you know, and when I pray, I ask to visualize how how am I, how do you want me to behave, God? You know, um, I don't pray for the ideal circumstances. I pray for the right for the right Melissa that's going to meet these circumstances. And so, in every questionable situation, I ask for guidance. You know, to be directed and advised. And sometimes that comes out of the mouths of people. And sometimes it really just comes in this quiet voice um, during my prayer and meditation time. And then I ask for sanity, like to see the situation in a healthy-minded way. Okay, that is not my normal way that I viewed the world. I definitely viewed the world in an unhealthy, insane way, you know. Um, but I ask to see it clearly. And then I ask for the strength that I can do the right thing. And, you know, I love that when I'm all worked up over my circumstances. And for me, um, it's usually I'm worked up over the actions and behaviors of others and how it's going to affect me, how it's impacting me, not, huh, not how it's necessarily going to hurt them or be uncomfortable for them, but it all rolls down to me. And I have specific things that I can ask for then. I pray. I ask for guidance. God, tell me how to be your agent. Because um, in step three, you know, I decided that God was the principal and I'm the agent. So I asked God, like, okay, I'm on your team. Tell me what to do. And then sanity, right? I ask to be calm and clear. And sometimes for me that means taking a walk because i got to calm down. And and I also need for me to get um. I have to kind of feel removed from the intense emotionalism of my family, of my feelings. I said family, but yeah, family feelings. Um, so I medit- one of my meditations is to try to view this problem from afar in a position not personal to me. And then I can have some sanity around it. 
And then strength. And I'm just going to finish up God's power. I ask to be tapped into it, you know, so that I can have the strength to do what I think, you know, God would have me do. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Melissa C. Um, while Jennifer unmutes, I'll just let anybody who got on the line late know where we read, which was the second paragraph on page 70 in the big book, to sum up about sex through to yield would mean heartache. Go ahead, Jennifer. Hi, good morning. This is Jennifer C. from Greenville, South Carolina. Um, <clears throat> Good morning, everyone. I, I can't say that enough. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you. I I just pray that I never lose sight of the miracle of this process, recovery, abstinence, all of it. Um, so as I'm reflecting on this reading, you know, I'm just reminded that my life today is all about the old and the new, right? Um, the old is my instincts and all the places I go mentally and behaviorally to get an effect, um, to get relief, to get temporary euphoria. Um, Food was the ultimate escape for me. Food was the ultimate effect for me. Um, But the escape manifests as anything I use in place of reality with God, right? Reality with God in this moment to feel good, to feel relief from God's reality. Um, I can use a character defect like fantasy to escape just like I used the food, Um, The food will be replaced by something if it's not replaced by God and recovery. It will be replaced by something else. And so this program teaches me um, that I can bring who I am, where I am, right to God and lay it there right here, right now. Um, And I can go... I can go to God again and again, and I can ask God to mold my ideals. What I love about this paragraph is it reminds me that I ask God to mold my ideals. I am that dependent on God that I don't even come up with my ideals by myself, right? Like I go to God for those ideals, and I ask God to remind me of his will because his ideals are always his will. It's interchangeable, right? Like God's will is God's ideals. Um, And the more I live there, the more I get to experience that as my reality today. And uh, his ideal always starts with love, right? And so one of the greatest gifts that recovery is giving me is this ability to be loved right where I am with God. You know, as filthy as my thoughts can get at any given moment, as self-centered and egotistical as I can be, um, I can be loved there today. I I can take that to God and I can welcome that love because that's where the change begins, right? It never worked by me resenting myself. It never worked by me trying to fix myself before I came to God. It never worked there. It always works when I come just as I am to God and, uh, and let him restore me to sanity, right? And that's a promise. That's, that's a promise. And so sometimes that happens in a split second when I come to God and God just Boom, he shows me my ideal. He shows me my self-centeredness. And he relieves me and restores me right there in that moment with God. And sometimes it takes pen to paper and it takes a lot of work. But either way, when I turn to God, I let him remind me of his will. He will restore me to sanity every single time. And I am promised that through this process. And so thank you, everyone, for your recovery, for your presence on this 
meeting, and I hope that everyone has a beautiful, beautiful day. And do not give up. If you are struggling to put that food down, if you are struggling, do not give up before the miracle happens. God bless everyone. Thank you, Jennifer C. Christina J., followed by Rick J. Good morning. Christina J. from the state of Washington this morning. Boy. It's been wonderful to have everyone's hearts open up and be vulnerable in this direction and uh, open up this Pandora's box and let this air out. And just to be able to be on these lines and be honest and truthful and share our vulnerability. This program is amazing. And um, I was driven by a um, determined, imperious urge since childhood when I got triggered by my dad to, um, you know, to search out attention and love because he wouldn't give it to me. So any man that came along that gave me a little attention, uh, the imperious urge would rise. And um, I had good moral character. That was the one great thing I had that kept me back for many years. Uh, But then I did fall into uh, several affairs during my first marriage. And um, But today God has been so good to me because I am with a man that I love and respect and I've learned how to trust and be trusted and, um, you know, it's not troublesome anymore. Sure, little little triggers come along now and again. Uh, I took a job two years ago where my boss, he looks like Val Kilmer, <laughs> a young Val Kilmer. <laughs> and I was like, okay, God. <laughs> and anyway, I uh, whenever that urge comes up, oh, he's so attractive, blah, 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 the little teenager in me, I just start chanting. I start chanting God's name. I start praying. And it goes away, and I'm able to be of service in that situation. <clears throat> Whenever he triggers me by being mean to me or says something sharp, I chant. I say God's name. This is not personal. And I get over it. You know, this is the thing. We get to go to God with all this stuff. Sex really isn't troublesome for me anymore. Um, and I think uh, most of that is because of the program. Um, I'm, I'm busy. I'm busy helping others. And when it does come up, when those little triggers come up, I just take them to God. This is what it's telling us. I mean, you know, sex is just its just a desire system. It's two bodies rubbing together, as one sage I know used to say. <laughs> it's all in our heads. So much of this is our heads and the games we've played with attraction and hormones and all that stuff. And just to, to bring it on the table and to lay it out is just such a gift. You know, just such a gift. We don't have to be afraid of it. We don't have to be threatened. Um, we don't have to um, get our panties all in a twist, <laughs> not to use a phrase that is kind of sexual, but or underwear or whatever. It's it's just it's just what it is, and we have this program, and we don't have to um, get all riled up about it. But there is work to do, and that is is in the fourth step, and this is where we learn where we're still triggered. We learn to give it to God. We learn where our character defects are still holding on to certain things and certain needs. So anyway, I'm rambling at this point, but thank you for letting me share, and uh, I'm just so grateful for all of you being honest and open and vulnerable. I pass. Thank you, Christina J. Rick J., and then we'll have time for more people to get their names. Go ahead, Rick. Good morning, everybody. My name is Rick J. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Cary, North Carolina. You know, what What really is... Um, hitting me is we earnestly pray for the right ideal for guidance in each questionable situation for sanity and for strength to do the right thing and um you know and it it's uh 
again, continuing on with this theme, uh, turning it over to uh, my higher power. In meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. The right answer will come if we want it. And it's about me always turning my thinking to my higher power, to this God and my understanding, and accepting that I am human and I have emotions and not judging myself. And I'm a good judge. And I've been in experiences, you know, in, uh, in my life where there's, there's really nothing I could have done to prevent certain things from happening. It always is where I'm going forward in this moment to do the next right thing. To be spiritually connected with my thoughts and actions to the best of my ability. And as somebody mentioned, this is, this is like for life. You know, when things are coming up that I'm struggling with, in each questionable situation in my life, I can pray and meditate for the right thought and the right action. Now, my first thought is going to be an old idea, and I've come to realize this. Um, it's going to be something that's a part of me, and it's going to come, and I'm powerless over that first thought. This is where I get to invite God in for my second thought and for a new idea. And I want my first action to be connected to my second thought, my new idea, and I need spiritual guidance for that. That's why I do this. And helping others, that is the best tool for any disturbance in my life today. We throw ourselves the harder into helping others because if I'm leaving myself behind, and I have to do that, I have to leave myself, my self-will, all of that self-will run riot that can be me behind. So if I'm turning my attention to someone else and I can get closer to them. So the further away from myself that I get, the closer to someone else I can become and the closer to God I feel. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Rick J. All right. If you haven't shared on a vision for you on Friday or Monday and would like to share on the second paragraph on page 70 in the big book to sum up about sex through to yield with me heartache, Please press star one to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Pamela Evelyn B. I heard a Pamela or Pamela. Pamela G. Pamela G. And who was the other person at the same time? Evelyn B. Evelyn B. Betsy G. Betsy G. Couple more, maybe. Pamela G, Evelyn B, Betsy G. If nobody else wants to step up, what was that? Crystal P. Crystal P. And maybe one more. Yeah, definitely one more we'll have time for. 
at least. Nobody else? Okay, you think about it, and we'll go with Pamela G, Evelyn B, Betsy G, and Crystal P. Pamela G, please go ahead. Pamela G. Good morning. This is Pamela G. I'm a uh, recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. And um, I just wanted to share that I am like a 73-year-old person, fairly new to OA, and um, my careers were um, in education. So many, many years of teaching is a mission field. And later I became a certified nurse assistant, certainly a service field. And then I retired, and I also um, live in public housing. So my heart has always been, how can I be helpful? How can I be of service? Because I've always had God in my life since I was like a seventh grader. And what I find is I love helping people. And my biggest struggle is listening to God each and every day in my morning prayers. You know, I absolutely say, your will, not mine. My to-do list is ridiculous. What is your to-do list, Lord, is a, one of my many morning prayers. Um, and then I have to sit and see what he says. So on this journey called OA that I am so in love with, I find that it's a balancing act. I have to figure out how to stop helping people in the building where I live, in my world, in fellows and of OA. And I feel very, very pulled, um, moderating OA meetings and just all kinds of things, sponsors. So, Sansi, those are the things that I need to sit with the Lord and say, okay, um, when am I sleeping? Uh, when do I get to exercise? Um, and I listen. I have to listen intensely because this twisted mind that I have can rationalize and twist things around to the point where I'm a little bit exhausted. And I know that it's not the Lord's will that I run around this life um, being exhausted. So I just wanted to say that praying hard enough and listening hard enough to get a balance on when Certain things have to be done and should be done. And that is a matter of knowing, and it comes with practice, I know, and I'm not excellent at it, that's for sure, knowing what his true will is and still not being this constant people pleaser. I think we all know what that's like. And then finding this line, walking this tightrope and still serving others and still doing the job that we're called to do as people who belong in OA. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Pamela G. Evelyn B., followed by Betsy G. Hi, this is Evelyn B. from Southeastern Massachusetts. I went through a very difficult time in my life. I was um, involved with... uh, four of my addictions and they were all out in their flaming glory and um, I was engaging in sexual activity that was unhealthy, that was risky, dangerous. I had two small children at home. I was traveling to university to get a degree. I was just crazy and I looked at that time, I looked back on that time, it was so frightening 
the food, of course, was totally out of control. And I, um, I prayed, and I, I asked Creator to please, please help me to stop all of that unhealthy behavior, sex being such a risky one that I could end in death, as I could with the other behaviors also, including the food. But um, Creator listened, and Creator granted me that I was able to get um, clean, sober, abstinent, and put down the unhealthy sexual relationships. And uh, I was able to be restored to some form of sanity. That has grown some strength. That has grown some um, right behavior, right ideals. That has grown. I live a very healthy life today. Those are times that I would be embarrassed to talk about. And for me to share online now, it, 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 you know, I was able to because I hear everybody else's honest shares. I am so grateful. And I had to turn to Creator and say, you've got to help me. I'm out of control. And um, I got the help I needed. And I, my OA is my one and most important um, program that I follow. And I do that because I think that this is my, I have to do this because this is my defense and my guard, my uh, line that I have drawn in the sand. I cannot let this get out of control of the food and and become um, so totally involved in the food again because I don't know when and if those other behaviors will come back. So I'm so grateful for OA. I'm so grateful for this meeting, for listening to all of your honest shares. And thank you for letting me share, and thank you for your service. Thank you, Evelyn B. Betsy G., followed by Crystal P. Hi, good morning, everybody. My name is Betsy G. Um, I would like to thank everybody for um, all that, all the service and everything that is done to make this meeting possible. Um, I just wanted to say that um, <clears throat> we're not just talking about, you know, the the uh, urge uh, to have sex. We're also talking about the urge to seek validation from the opposite sex. For me, you know, for me, that, that that's a problem. That's a troublesome area. Um, my, you know, my my urge or to be flirtatious, to be, you know, manipulative flirtatiously manipulative. Um, to me, this is talking about, you know, the urges to seek, uh, a tr- you know, positive attention from the opposite sex and how e- empty that leaves me feeling, whether I get it or whether I don't, you know, sometimes. Um, <clears throat> it's, these are, you know, it's acting like a dumb blonde to reduce expectation or, you know, leaning into feminine uh, weakness, so to speak, just, you know, so that I don't have to do it. Um, you know, that, that it's, so it's not just the urge to have sex, it's the urge to behave in these manipulative ways for me. Um, I looked up imperious, um, and it, assuming power or authority without justification, arrogant and domineering. So what this is telling me is that these urges to manipulate, you know, are, very difficult to control. They're deep and they're dominating and they're, you know, they're in there. Um, so, you know, what's my defense? 
you know, my defense is going to God, you know, with my, as I am and asking to be, you know, redirected. Um, This is also reminding me that another defense, a strong other defense is to um, throw myself into uh, helping someone else. You know, we're, we're being reminded here again, you know, that helping someone else helps us get ego out of the driver's seat and put God back in. And that's what it's all about for me. So thanks for listening. I hope everybody has a great day. Bye. Thank you, Bessie D. Crystal P. Hi, good morning. This is Crystal P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Toronto, Canada. Um, this was such a good paragraph for me to read today. Um, for as long as I can remember, all I've wanted is to be in a relationship. And uh, for the last few months, I've been in a new relationship. And um, and I'm starting to see just how, how powerful um, this this can be. You know, um, just this past weekend, I've, I realized that just my whole mind is consumed with this relationship and this man. And so uh, what's happening is all my old character defects are coming up of of um, not showing up for family and friends because I'm so consumed with this relationship. And, you know, I'm as an addict, I'm not good at any relationship, really. Um, it took a lot of, like, it took a miracle for God to, you know, fix all of my existing relationships. But when the reason I think that they call out sexual relationships separately is because when, when we throw in romance, it adds a high to a relationship that I'm already bad at um, that can just carry me away with it, you know? And, um, you know, my solution to all of this is, okay, I need to, I need to come back. I need to be a good OA girl. You know, I need to, I'm going to make it up to my friends and family. I'm going to do this. I'm going to set alarms. I'm going to fix it this way. And that's not the solution because that's not, the problem is not that I'm forgetting my family and friends. The problem is that God has been removed from the place that only God can be in, you know, and he's been replaced by something else. And the only thing that puts God back in its in the place that God needs to be is the 12 steps is for me to accept that I am powerless over this urge and over um, my reactions, that God alone and no other human power can restore me to sanity. And that I'm willing to do what he suggests. I admit what I have done to, to another human being and to God and myself. I, you know, um, I, I, uh, I'm honest about what I did, and then I'm willing for God to remove this and take whatever action is needed. Um, and most of the time, you know, it's not to fix the solution or, or create a solution and fix the what I think the problem is, but to just come home to God to say, I'm, I'm out of my depth again. You know, please help me. Without you, my mind, I can't stop my mind from being preoccupied with him. Like, this is the first relationship I've ever been in. I can't be any different. I don't know how. Please show me. Uh, please be my memory for me. Please put yourself back to who you, you were, you know, um, for me. Please, please help me. And when I do that, things start to sort of come back to where they were, you know, um, and the right actions start to start to make themselves apparent. Um, but I think what's so important for me in, in being in relationships, uh, in romantic relationships, which is just so much harder, I think, than regular relationships because of the high that it gives me is um, staying close to program, being honest, no matter how ugly it, it looks to me um, and how much I want to be different and I want to just succeed at everything, even when it's new to me. Um, 
that's been really helpful for me. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Crystal P. Does anybody else want to share on what we read today? Second paragraph on 70. Beth Z from Pennsylvania. I heard the Z. I missed the first name. Beth B E T H. Yes. Beth Z is in zebra, correct? V as in Victor. Oh, V as in Victor. Beth, take it away. Beth V, thank you for closing us out. Thank you so much. So glad to be here. I'm Beth V as in Victor, gratefully recovering in Pennsylvania. Today, I'm celebrating 60 days of abstinence, and it feels really good to have become clear and aware of myself more deeply. This paragraph to sum up about sex. Well, I I lost some weight in these two months, and I noticed the other day that I thought I saw a couple men checking me out, and more importantly, I I saw what a thrill I felt from that. And then, whether it was my imagination or whether it was real, I. I recognize that when I have that sort of feeling, that's what I need to take to God. I'm a married woman, and I don't need to get thrills from anything like that. And um, it's actually a dangerous thing because I recognize that's my ego coming up. I I like attention, and I want more. And uh, I want that could easily lead me to wanting more food and more ex- excesses and i i do act that way that my for a, an addict it's a dangerous thing to recognize that i want more of anything and i did my first step 10 yesterday and i also recognized that i i had gone back to self pity a big amount of it too you know and I had an exhausting and terrible day indulging in that behavior. And I have to go to God. That's the last thing I learned, you know, that I want to touch on is I did learn how to pray earnestly in these last 60 days where I set my timer, make myself sit quietly. And I, I don't need to be exhausted. That, when I recognize that I'm exhausted from myself, I am no longer God-centered, but self-centered, and also that I don't want to be in that self-centeredness anymore. I uh, am grateful for everybody on the line and all of my spiritual uh, guides who have shown me the way. Thank you, and I will pass with that. Thank you, Beth Z. Uh, anybody want one minute to share? Well, this is Rebecca F. I'll just say briefly that I learned in the sex inventory, there's three prayers, well, two prayers and a meditation. The sex prayer on 69, we ask God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. The sex meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. And what we read today, the earnest prayers, we earnestly pray for the right ideal, for guidance in each questionable situation, for sanity and for the strength to do the right thing. And those come in very 
handy for this person who really didn't learn how to pray and meditate and turn to my higher power for um, advice, especially about sex. And so it was a, a very short couple of pages that gave a great sex education to me. And I'll pass with that. And um, that brings us to the close of the first hour's sharing. And so where am I now? Okay. So um, thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Tuesday, July 13th, 2021, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 17,342, that's 17342. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Crystal P. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be successful only to the end of the page. Good morning, this is Crystal P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Toronto, Canada. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.